I'm Mike, and this is The Ben Shapiro Show. <laughs> uh, this is self-evident. Oh. <laughs> I'm Mike, and this is The Self-Evident Podcast. There we go. Roll cue. Oh, we got nothing, do we? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, guys. Uh, uh, I have Jonathan with me in, in the seat. He is running direction. He is running the computer. He's running the soundboard across the room. He is filling in for Massey. He is doing what he needs to do. I thank you so much for being here with us. Absolutely. They awesome. don't. They don't. I'm not really doing all that stuff, but they don't see it, so it's cool. That's cool. <laughs> we actually don't have a camera on him because <laughs> we don't want people to see him. I'm he's, so busted. Yes, he's the one that's off in the dark corner, and we just let him do what he needs to do. Uh, so, first things first, housekeeping. You knew I was going to use it. You knew I was going to say it. You knew I was going to talk to you about it. Why have you not signed up on YouTube? I'm looking at you, John, Mark, Ron, Cindy, Sarah, Sarah. You guys haven't signed up on YouTube yet. We need subscriptions. Okay, that sounded a little desperate, yeah. didn't it? <laughs> uh, it was a little bit too. No, no, it's good. It's no. Good. Anyways, guys, please feel free to subscribe. Hit the notification bell. You know, it, without that, a lot of times you won't know that we've put out something new. We put out a highlight and a full every single week. We put out our podcast on Spotify. We do it on U- iTunes. Okay, so we've got the YouTube. We've got the iTunes. We've got the Spotify. We've got Facebook. What else do we have? Are we on SoundCloud? SoundCloud, yes, we are. We are on SoundCloud. I am actually looking into a few more venues for us, so stay tuned to that. Um, we're doing some research, which you know that makes it sound like we're all sitting behind computers for eight hours a day, really checking this stuff out. No, it's like ten o'clock at night for fifteen minutes. Well, I wonder what we're gonna do next. Oh. So, but honestly, I am checking out some other stuff. We want to get on to some alternate sites and platforms. That way, with all the stuff going on with YouTube, you know, with Facebook, we can be able to still get you content in case something goes down. So it's always good to have a plan B. So right now I'm looking for the plan B. I'm trying to figure out what are we going to do next. Uh, We're looking to expand for the podcast itself so that we're not just on Spotify and we're not just on iTunes. We're not just on a couple of platforms, but we're on everything Mm -hmm. so you can get to us. Um, With that said, please feel free to comment. Please feel free to send us emails. Let us know you're out there. Uh, If there's videos you like, give them a thumbs up or give them a comment. If there's videos you don't like, give them a thumbs down or a comment. That's fine by me. I really don't mind. Do you mind, Jonathan? Not at all. No, Jonathan doesn't mind. So tonight, we're doing something a little bit different. A lot of people are off in Columbia, so I want you to make sure yeah, give a prayer for Massey and the re- and the gang, um, and I wanted to try a new style, you know, just for the fun of it. And we've talked about current events a little bit. We've breached subjects, but a lot of times we end up talking about more general social issues. We end up talking about those things that. Christians are wondering the big questions. We end up talking about, you know, how does God look in these issues that are going on? 
what I wanted to do tonight was discuss news items and stuff that's going on currently and give you guys a feel of what's going on in the world. Um, I know a lot of times you're just too busy to check the news. I know I'm that way, man. I get a, cu- a little bit of time in the morning, a little bit of time at night. The rest of the time, it's work and family. Mm-hmm. So I compiled some news articles, some stuff that I think are relevant and important. Uh, they give us a view of what's going on in the future. So without further ado, Jonathan, you ready? I'm ready. All right, let's do this. You guys ready? <coughs> Sorry, I'm sick, but I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that was actually perfectly timed. (laughs) Are you ready? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Crickets. Yes. Okay. First up, we have an article off of Zero Hedge. So Zero Hedge is a compilation website. Um, It's a website that I go to a lot of times for news, and they pulled stuff in from other websites. This article is authored by Sarah Cowgill via LibertyNation.com. And what we're talking about here is we're talking about the passing of free medical care for illegal immigrants. So when California decides to go big, they decide to go big. And what they're doing now is they've decided that illegal immigrants should be receiving free medical care. And this actually got pushed through and it's expected to sign. By the time this comes out, it probably will be signed. Oh, wow. Um, And you have a state with... A lot of homelessness right going on right now. And Jonathan, if you could pull up, what's the the number of homeless in California currently? I th- I want to say it's about thirty thousand. Um, and the question to this is, why is this so important? When you look at California and you look at the problems that they have going on, you really see a myriad of problems. Yet now they're trying to push on an added thing to their budget, millions and millions of dollars. This is something that. They already have troubles with their budget. Now they're trying to expand medical care for a lot of people that they don't, they can't account for. They don't have logistics for. And when you look at this situation, you've got to question and wonder, okay, what's the goal behind this? What is the objective? If they were really concerned about the budget, if they're really concerned about taking care of their own people or citizens, this wouldn't be moving on. Uh, but it is getting pushed through. And a lot of conservatives have sat down and said this must be because they want more voters. And honestly, I'm one of those that I have to go with that and say there's something going on about voters because if they really cared about people truly, you know, and I'm not saying they don't care about people, but if they really truly cared about each individual – they would be taking care of their own first, which, Jonathan, were you able to pull up that statistic? Yeah, uh, total total homeless population is about 129,000. 129,000 in California alone? Yeah, in California. Wow, so I was way off. 129,000. So we have 129,000 people who need medical care, who honestly need psychiatric help, a lot of them. They need financial help. They need home, obviously, food. And that's kind of got passed over. And it's this idea of if they just give them a couple of programs and they push them aside, it'll be okay. So you have to wonder, okay, why medical care for illegal immigrants specifically? Why is it so important to do this now? And I think one of the things you're going to find is especially with this push for the popular vote in a lot of states, Mm -hmm. there's a reason for this. There's a not wanting to have 
identification at voting stations. There is a push to include illegal immigrants in the voting records, to include felons in the voting records. There's a push to not have border security. There's a push now to give medical care to illegal immigrants, which what's going to draw people in? You have to wonder what's going to move these people in and draw them near and make them enthusiastic about coming to your state is free medical care. So we have to wonder what's what's the action here? What's going on? Why is this happening? So it, it, when you think about it, you got to say, man, it must. It, there's something here. There's something deeper going on. Um, and obviously it's caught a lot of tension. It's caught a lot of controversy. So we need to keep an eye on it because California tends to be a state that leads in what's going to happen in the rest of the country. W- similarly, you have New York, who is now requesting their county clerks to provide driver's license to illegal immigrants. So there's this push for illegal immigrants to now be given the same privileges as citizens. It's not that I care or I don't care about these people. It's not that I don't care that they get an opportunity for life. But the problem comes when you step over that border and you've already broken a law. They say, well, they're not illegal. They're, they're not criminals. N- every single one of them is technically a criminal. And that's not a judgment on their character. It's not a judgment on who they are as people. It's a judgment on the fact that they committed an action that is against the law in America. So what we're looking at is you stepped across the border. You've already broken the law because you didn't come in the proper way. Take that a step forward. And now instead of saying we need to close the borders or we need to at least control the borders, I should say, we need to make sure that we're allowing people in the proper way. We're having people cross over and we're going, okay, now we're going to give you driver's license. We're going to give you medical care. We're going to give you food assistance. We're going to give you housing assistance. You're citizens at that point and, and very well-privileged citizens. So I, I point this out to say this is something that's really got to be taken care of. We as citizens have to figure out what are our values. And you might say that the Christian has to open the borders and provide care to everyone. As private individuals, we are to provide care. As a nation, we are to protect our borders. Even biblically, protecting your borders and ensuring that foreigners or aliens, as the Bible uses the word, assimilate to the culture. Notice how defensive God was or how jealous God was for his people. He wanted all the foreign gods torn out. He wanted all the foreign practices and religious rituals torn out, pulled away. He didn't want those things seeding in. And it's not that these people are carrying foreign gods, but they're carrying foreign values that are destructive to the U.S. And you might say, boy, that's extremist. The problem is a lot of these people are coming from socialist nations with very welfare-heavy programs. They're coming from Central America. They're coming from Mexico. Nations that are having problems with their socialist regimes or they're coming from dictators themselves. And a lot of them vote that way now if if we can get people to assimilate that's great even if you vote democrat you you still have a value in there those are the people that are coming 
legally. That's the difference. If you don't come in legally, if you don't do the work to come in legally, do you truly appreciate the system? Or are you taking advantage of the system? Mm. Once again, it sounds extremist, but I've got to say, man, there's something wrong with this whole idea of they're just crossing over. It's okay. It's no big deal. No, that's a disrespect of the values right off the bat. Yeah. So when we look at this, we've got to see it as something that we can't allow to continue to erode. So when you're voting, when you're paying attention to politics, when you're getting involved in your local politics, if your city comes up and says, we want to be a sanctuary city, you need to get out to that city hall meeting. You need to be letting your city leaders know this is not right. This is unconstitutional. This is against the law. This is wrong. And especially in Florida, we have those dangers because we're, we're right across the pond from Cuba in the Dominican Republic. And it's not that I don't want those people there. I'm not that person that's, you know, waving the flag and saying, get everybody out. I'm just saying, man, I want people to follow the rules. I want people to follow the law. I want people to be constitutional. I think that's always been my value. So pay attention to this. See what's going on with it. We've got to keep an eye on this type of stuff. Similarly on this train of are you receiving what you don't value or don't appreciate, we've got an article from the Daily Wire, um, and there's a new movement that's happening. And this article is by Hank Berrien, and he's covering the reparations movement. And this movement is starting to pick up. You know, you've got more Democratic uh, leaders that are backing this. You've got Cory Booker. You've got Elizabeth Warren. You've got uh, Gillsbrand. They are actually stating that now we need reparations. A lot of people are going to say it's racist to say no reparations. What I'm arguing for is is it necessary? And does it solve the problem? When we look at reparations, we look at something that's saying, okay, there was a disadvantage, so now we've got to solve the disadvantage by handing something to them. And I want to say, if, if somebody's demanding something from you as recompense, does that person actually walk away completely satisfied and on new ground with you? They don't. They their heart hasn't changed towards you. So let's say, let's get rid of all the problems with this whole issue, like all, the, all the problems of actually using this solution. Mm-hmm. Let's say this actually works. <coughs> you give the reparations out, and they walk away with whatever money is given to them. Does their heart actually change? Yeah. You know, does, does their heart actually change towards the people who are giving the reparations? No, it won't change. What's the cause for the reparations again? So the cause for this is the feeling that because of slavery, oh, that's right. I there, saw this. there are disadvantages <sighs> that current people have, current African-Americans, because of slavery, because of the civil rights issue, Jim Crow, all of that, that there should be some payment because whites and the majority have built economically off the backs of African-Americans. Mm. Okay. And the idea is we didn't have anything. You got rich off us. So 
we want payment. Mm. We we want some money back for this. I got you. Okay. When we look at this, there's <laughs> the there's a myriad of issues with this. And there's a lot of people pointing these out and I'm I'm going to be one of those voices. Let's look at problems with doing this. Who's a, who is actually a descendant of slaves and who's not? Do you have to be fully black, half black? Do you just have to have one grandparent? Are Native Americans included in this? Because there were times where they were oppressed or they were moved from their lands. Are we going to state that somebody who came to America, who's African American, after slavery, let's say 1975, 1980, they came to America, are they included in the reparations? And who pays the reparations? Is it only people whose ancestors were slave owners? Remember, only about 6% at the height of slavery owned slaves. So just the ancestors of those 6%? Or are we looking at everybody who's white? In that case, who's classified as white? Do the Irish who came in the mid-1800s, do they count? They were oppressed. They were pushed down. What about the Chinese or the Asians? Asians actually have a higher median income than whites do. Oh, wow. As well as uh, uh, Middle <laughs> Eastern. So we've got a lot of problems with this issue, but the problem is it's very newsworthy. It's catchy. And it's something that's a platform that can buy voters. You're looking at an issue that's really just there to buy voters. If we feel that reparations need to be paid, what we're really saying is now we've got to sit down and decide a number. We've got to decide who it's going to come from and who it's going to go to. Or are you just going to do blanket? Well, as long as you're at least 50% black, you're getting money. If you're at least 50% white, you're paying money. Is that what we're going to do? So in this congressional hearing, it, it, it blew up. Okay? It's a real issue, and it should be, because there's plenty of people coming out and saying this is ludicrous. Um, you had the House Judiciary Committee Subcommittee on the Constitution, Civil Rights, and Civil Liberties holding a hearing on Wednesday. It was entitled H.R. 40 and the Path to Restorative Justice, at which witnesses testified about reparations for slavery. H.R. 40 is a bill which proposes a commission to study reparations, and that's where they're going to get you. They're going to say, we're just studying. Mm. We're, we're just looking into this. If it's allowed to grow, it's not just going to be a study, and it really doesn't matter what the study says. The study could say this isn't going to do anything, and Democrats will just say, well, that study wasn't complete enough. Mm. We need to do this. Or they'll say it might be insignificant, but it's something we need to do. We had philosophy major Coleman Hughes testifying. Um, he testified for the minority and delivered a lengthy opening statement against the bill in question. After noting that nothing I'm about to say is meant to minimize the horror and brutality for slavery and Jim Crow, and that he considers our failure to pay reparations directly to freed slaves after the Civil War to be one of the greatest injustices ever perpetrated by the U.S. government. He went in on the bill for four solid minutes. The audience at the hearing booed Hughes after he said, black people don't need another apology. We need safer neighborhoods and better schools. 
We need a less punitive criminal justice system. We need affordable health care. And none of these things can be achieved through reparations for slavery. And one of the telling things is that he got booed when saying this Mm. because people said, you don't want me to get paid. I'm not just talking about black people, okay? They're guaranteed there were whites that were booing there too. People were booing because they see a glimmer of hope of getting money out of somebody else's pocket. And Hughes got booed for it. And that's why this concerns me. That's why this issue is is important to note to you guys that this is going on. If you didn't know, we are now having congressional hearings to study reparations. Is there something that can be done for the minority communities? Absolutely. Is there something we should be paying attention to? Is there something that that can be done to help end this cycle? Absolutely. And we've got to pay attention to the problems. And we as Christians, which I have another article later in the series, that gives us a solution that, that we as Christians can adopt. And at first, I was, I'm actually going to go to it right now. Um, I, I wanted to hold it till later, but I think this is a perfect segue for this. Yeah, I agree. So in The Atlantic, <coughs> there was an article written, and it was about America's ep- epidemic of empty churches. Now, The Atlantic is a fairly liberal magazine, but this article by a Christian, I thought was, at first, I was fighting it. At first, I was like, man, I don't, but as it went through, I said, you know what? This actually makes a lot of sense, and I'll point out to you why. So in the article, it talks about the churches failing. We're losing churches. 6,000 to 10,000 churches die each year in America. Does that mean Christianity is growing or dying? That number will likely grow. Even though we've got 70% of people who are claiming to be Christians, con- congregational participation is less central to many Americans' faith than what once was. And if we're losing 6,000 to 10,000 churches a year, something's going on, guys. Most denominations are declining as a share of the overall population, and you've been having religiously unaffiliated Americans, or the nuns, growing as a share of the U.S. population. And we're noticing this when we're having more and more... um, Atheist influence, we're having more and more satanic influence, which these are just groups that are looking to have influence over the society and the culture, just as we are. And you actually had Satanists that were making making the opening prayer in Alaska in a town hall meeting, and they've they've tried to do it at other town halls. Um, And if we don't pay attention to this and we get our act together— They'll be in charge. And I don't even mean from a political standpoint, standpoint, but a societal cultural standpoint. Yeah. And really, it's already taken hold. If we as Christians want to have an effect on the society, we need to know what's going on and have a solution. And I think this is a good place to start. We're losing our churches. We're losing the influence over our communities. And that's where it starts is in the community. So there was a St. Augustine's Church in South Boston this this example or this case study gets covered in the Atlantic article. Developer Bruce Daniel encountered a number of unforeseen difficulties. Demolishing the 140-year-old building and starting from scratch was the most economical option. 
But sentimental neighbors protest forced Daniel to retrofit the existing building in the condos. Here's where I struggle with that. People were sentimental about the building. They mm. cared about it, but not enough to go. They liked it in their neighborhood. They liked having it next to them. They liked what it symbolized to them. They liked the arches. They liked the, the stained glass windows, but not enough to go. And when somebody said, okay, I'm going to demolish this and I'm going to build something new, they said, I don't, I, no, you can't do that. We love that building. Okay, if you have an attachment to the building, why not an attachment to what's going on in the building? So we have a guy introduced to us in the article, Larry Duggins. He left a successful career in investment banking uh, to attend seminary at Southern Methodist University. So he felt a calling. He had a successful <coughs> business. He had a successful career. And he leaves, and he goes, I need to be in seminary. And he met a professor of evangelism named Elaine Heath, with whom he brainstormed ways to help dying churches who maintain a will to live. They founded the Missional Wisdom Foundation 501c3 that functions as a kind of think tank for alternative forms of Christian community. So this is where it gets interesting. Missional Wisdom moved into the bottom 15,000 square feet of White Rock's building, okay, White Rock Church, and they got to work. Converted the fellowship hall into a co-working space and transformed Sunday school rooms into a workshop for local artisans, including a florist and a stained glass window artist. Formed an economic empowerment center where the group teaches a local population of African refugees language and business skills. Finished out the space with a yoga studio <gasps> and a community dance studio. Baptists won't be happy about dance. Today, the church building is bustling for most days, and the congregation is both covering expenses and generating revenue from its profit-sharing agreement with Missional Wisdom. Look what they did. They took the church, and they built a community out of it. They said, come to us. We've got the space. Let's build something out of this. And I love that it's local artisans. You've got stained glass window artists, economic empowerment center, group that teaches local African refugees language and business skills, you have what the church was supposed to be about. Mm -hmm. When you look a couple hundred years ago, you had a church who was teaching people how to live. It was the center of the community. If you had need your kids taught, they went to the church. If you need your grandma taken care of, went to the church. Mm -hmm. If you needed guidance or counsel, you went to the church. Heck, you, you had... Uh, flea markets and open markets and you had potlucks and you had gatherings and dances and all of it centered around the church in the old community. Nowadays, we don't have that center. And the churches are dying out because the churches have decided that they're there only to give scripture. Do you see where that, that problem comes in with this? Instead of only giving scripture, we need to be giving the world to them. We need, we need to be giving people life. We need to be attaching to them in their everyday struggles. So there's another example. They partnered with Bethesda United Methodist Church in Asheville, North Carolina, 
This was a congregation with challenges similar to White Rocks. They created a community center called Hawk Creek Commons. They had co-working space. They retrofitted the building with textile and woodworking shop. Yeah, Jonathan, I think there was somebody else who did work <coughs> woodworking and carpentry. Um, <laughs> uh, what's his name? Yeah. Um, that one guy. Jesus. Jesus. G- G- Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, you're right. Huh. Huh. Woodworking. <laughs> Meeting rooms that are used by local business and double A groups, Alcoholics Anonymous. Retreat space that can sleep up to nine. Commercial kitchen in the basement for local bakers and chefs. Outside. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. See? Outside, they constructed a community garden, a food forest, beehives, a greenhouse, and a playground. That's tight. Is that not awesome? Would you not want to spend your time there? I'll go there. I I would go there, too. And families want to go there. You've got a community garden. You've got beehives. You've got, you know, local bakers and chefs cooking out of the kitchen. You know, that way people can start a business. We've had this example on the podcast of somebody who takes their own ingredients, they make their own food in their own kitchen, and then they go out and sell it. Why can't they use the church kitchen? Hmm. Have an industrial up-to-code kitchen. And a lot of churches will say, I don't have the money for this. What I would say is, is there something you can do that can help you start raising the money to start doing these programs? Is there a room you can rent out to a local artisan or a baker or a community group? And then use that money in turn to start funding projects like this. And they even said, we wanted, Duggan said, we wanted to transform the church into a place that would draw people who might not otherwise come. Asheville, we've seen it break down stereotypes of what the church is. At Bethesda, there were less than 10 people in the church on a given Sunday. Can you imagine 10 people in your service? Oh my gosh. 10 people. God bless them that they were still going. Most people would give up. Now they have more than 50. They're growing because they're having an influence on the community. They're reaching out and they're saying, look, come to church. That gives you a perfect time to connect with them. And this goes back to what Massey and I talk about a lot of can the church be more connected in the community to influence the culture? We can't stand on high and yell down. We've got to get with people, get with communities and groups and bring them in. Show them who we are. In that, we can start changing the culture. We can start having an effect on things. One of the things that we really need to start having an effect on is obviously the big one, abortion. Mm. And we've watched states pass abortion up to birth laws, no hold barred. And you're watching a battle going on between conservatives and liberals in their prospective states. Right now you have states that are passing uh, heartbeat bills or they're trying to outlaw abortion outright. You have other states that are passing um, up to birth abortion, no questions asked bills. And Rhode Island was the latest to pass one of these abortion until birth bills. Um, Bridget Valverde defended the stripping away of protections for unborn children by stressing that birth can be a traumatic experience in addition to one of beauty. In the end, she maintained abortion is really just about health care and being able to make choices about one's own health. 
And I'm not going to go into the arguments <laughs> about that. You guys have heard that way too many times. Well, not yeah. too many times, but you've heard it plenty from us. A lot. <laughs> a lot. Right? It's something we're passionate about. And the only reason I brought this article up was because I wanted to point out, look, guys, it's still going on. This this isn't over. We need to continue to push to get this done and over with and then be vigilant on it. But not all Democrats, thankfully, were on board with the abortion bill. However, Democrat Senators Elizabeth Crowley, Harold Metz, Frank Lombardo, and Dominic Ruggiero, president of the Senate, all were against it. Lombardo pleaded with his fellow Democrats to vote against the bill because we are all children of God, and I tell you, we will all be accountable to God for the position of influence that he has given to all of us. And I'm thankful for him making that speech. 200 years ago, that speech was commonplace. It was common for our leaders in our state legislatures and our Congress to appeal to God, to appeal to our relationship with God. And we've lost that with our leadership. Our leadership feels they're not allowed to mix church and state, the establishment clause, blah, blah, blah. But this guy stands up and he says, I may be Democrat, I may stand for a lot of what Democrats do, but I cannot do this. We are all children of God. We will all be accountable to God. And I applaud him for it. And I think Republicans, conservatives, you need to show your support for him. You may not agree with him on a lot, but still show your support. Let him know, thank you so much for saying that. I may disagree with you on a lot of stuff, but thank you for standing up for God and our unborn children. Thank you for pointing out that we are all children of God and that there's something really (laughs) wrong with this picture. Republicans uh, tried to amend the bill multiple times, but the Democrats blocked their proposals. The Democrats were in the majority. They didn't really have a whole lot they could do. They tried to include a provision that triggered the bill only if Roe versus Wade is actually repealed and one requiring the administering of anesthesia to unborn children before ending their lives, which I can see why Democrats didn't want that to go through. Because if you accept that anesthesia is administered, it accepts that there's pain being felt by the unborn child. So they had to get rid of that. They couldn't allow that because that would be actually admitting there's pain going on. And all of us connect pain with being a living being. If the argument drops that you can't be a living being, then you, you've you lost your ground. Now, we as conservatives, we, we point out, look, you've already lost your ground. It's a living being. Science more and more is showing earlier and earlier the unique structure of a fetus. And this is one of those things, pain, right? And Republicans basically throwing a Hail Mary on there going, at least anesthesia. And I know they were probably seeing it as, look, this will give us a foot in the door on the argument of whether or not the unborn child is alive and feeling and important. Um, But, of course, that got shot down. And you're going to see that stuff happen. Um, Democrats, as they get more and more strengthened in this, And as the conservative states make their arguments against it and make their moves against it, you're going to see people get more and more radical on this. As states like Alabama and Georgia 
pass more restrictions on abortion, pass sweeping restrictions, you're going to see states like New York and Massachusetts and Rhode Island and California and Oregon passing more radical laws as to what's allowed because they're trying to push back. They're trying to create precedents. You got to remember case law is precedence now in the legal system. We no longer have constitutional jurisprudence. We've only got case law and precedence. So if they can set the standard, it's a lot harder to take that back. And that's how Democrats move. That's, that's really how liberals move in the political system is if I can get this further down the road, you're going to have to walk even farther to try and get, to get it back to where it was. You'll never get it back. You may take an inch from me, but I've already walked two miles. And that's another reason we really have to be active in this. We've got to stand up. We've got to point out that this is wrong, that we're not going to allow this. We're not going to allow our states to do this. I want to cover something that goes back a little bit to the border crisis uh, and illegal immigration. Uh, we've got an article out of the Daily Wire. Um, sorry, Democrats. We're ditching the manufactured crisis. <laughs> and this article is by Emily Zanotti. In recent weeks, it's gotten clearer and clearer there is a dramatic humanitarian crisis again at the border. Senator Christopher Coons told the Washington, D.C.-based news magazine. He's a Democrat. Defending the flip-flop. He's going, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, we can't handle this anymore. The phrase manufactured crisis could be misunderstood as suggesting it's not a real crisis. Mm-hmm. Misunderstood or exactly what was meant by manufactured crisis. It is a real crisis. There are people actually suffering. There are children dying. There are families in distress. It is a crisis. The phrase manufactured, I think, was used by some to emphasize the president's role in making it worse. No, it was to emphasize that it's not a crisis and we don't need to pay attention to it. It's one of those things that when you control the words and you control what's going on in the language, you can control the narrative and you can make decisions based on the narrative because public is swayed by narrative. No matter what we try to think, how smart we think we are, we do get swayed by narrative. Conservatives get it. Liberals get it. Conservatives are swayed by narrative all the time, guys. And we as conservatives have to cut through the noise. And we've got to figure out what's actually going on. So this whole, the, the Democrats are saying, okay, we're done with the crisis. Let's, let's just sweep it under the rug. Um, or the words manufactured crisis, let's sweep it under the rug. And some are starting to say, we need to actually handle this. The Hill also reports that lawmakers are, in fact, taking a bipartisan approach to easing the situation. Even Senator Chuck Schumer, who once dismissed the border issues as fear-mongering from the White House, will sit down this week with Republican leaders to merge a series of bills both sides have been working on, increasing fundy, funding to the United States Customs and Border Patrol. So we're finally getting funding increased to the Customs and Border Patrol. I think what you're going to see is you're going to see funding slipped in for the wall. Um, it'll happen in a roundabout way. It'll happen under the rug where people don't see it or, or the Democrats can deny it. Um, 
as you go into the election cycle, Democrats don't want to have plastered all over the name that they want wide open borders. It's just not a topic that wins with a majority of people. And until they can get, going back to the Ill- illegal immigration, till they can get a new voting block, you're going to see them kind of waffle on this stuff and go back and forth. So pay attention to it. Make sure you're contacting your leadership, letting them know, I care about the border. I care about illegal immigration. I care about what's going on. We've got to continue to watch it. We'll see what happens. Um, this will kind of die away. But I wanted you guys to know about this, that, hey, it is getting pointed out and it is getting solved. There is something that's taking place with this. So we're winning on that front. That's awesome. the thing. We're, we're actually winning. Oh, wow. We're winning. We're winning on the abortion front. We're winning on yeah. the immigration yeah. front, right? Socialism, it's growing, but the mask is coming off, huh. and we're going to win. We're going to win on that, guys. People are, people are thinking, oh, it's all lost. No, I've, <coughs> I've got a lot of hope on this. I have a lot of hope that in about 10 years, it's really going to truly come down to did we get our voices out? And if we get our voices out and we teach people the truth about this stuff, we can win. And frankly, if you put yourself on God's side, how can you lose? But that goes back to the church and the community. Are we on God's side? Are we moving forward with God? So, guys, those are some articles that I've got. Um, I've got a couple of more that I can post for you or links to. Um, I do have an article on the Swiss voters approving a new set of gun control restrictions. We don't talk a whole lot about Switzerland. Um, the Switzerland, they're not a part of the EU, but they're part of the Schengen Treaty. I may be butchering how you I say think, it. No, you said it Schengen. similar. Schen- I think Schengen. Schengen, something like that. Yeah. And so the, the Schengen Treaty, which means they've they've got a border treaty agreement. That's that's with, just, that's with just crazy. <laughs> it's Isn't so it? weird. I was just over there and... Um, I stayed with a friend and they were like, yeah, you can just go to, you can go to Austria if you want. I was in Germany. Yeah. I was like, don't I need to get like something from Austria? <laughs> and they're like, no, 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 there's no borders. I was like, what? You just ride the train, right? Yeah, train, bus, Stop. bus. Hey, it's fine. And it, it's nice. And that's, that's why people like it. Yeah. That right? you can go back and forth. Yeah, for real. But the problem is <laughs> you also are under a little bit more control of the EU and that's what Switzerland is running into. Switzerland is actually known as a very gun rights country. Wow. And they're a very decentralized governance country. So they actually, <laughs> right now, they're doing better what the founders originally intended for America than what America is doing. They have really kept their federal government in check. And it's, it's much more of a system of local governance and that's exactly what the founders wanted was the states to be the major governance for those populations and then the federal government just a loose tie for major issues what's going on in switzerland is they're they're a very gun rights nation and there's pressure from the eu to meet the eu gun restriction codes and so because of a concern out of what the EU could do, 
they, it's believed that a lot of voters decided to go ahead and vote to restrict more of their gun rights, restrict more of how they do things. And I think it's something interesting to watch on a global scale. We've got to pay attention to what's going on in the EU. Because as Europe falls, America will fall. America has always followed what Europe has done. We're just usually 15, 20 years behind what they're doing. And as the EU gains strength and they, they institute more oppressive government functions, we're going to see that continue in America, and we're already seeing it. Um, and Switzerland, I really hope, will backtrack on this. I don't know if they will. Um, they are <coughs> a, uh, I can't think of what the word is, but basically a, a militia state. And so everybody is required to be a part of the military at some point, And they, they're required to be ready to be called upon. Um, so every citizen is supposed to go through the military and have a weapon. Now they're restricting these weapons that the Swiss military and the citizens are supposed to have. <laughs> so you notice the, the hammer is being dropped on the Swiss <coughs> citizen military, citizen army. They won't be able to have the weapons that they need to defend their country. So it's something to watch. It's something to keep an eye on. I just wanted to point that out because I thought it was interesting, especially with all the battles going on of gun rights in America. Switzerland has always been a nation that uh, Americans have pointed to, Switzerland, Israel, countries like that, of, hey, they have gun rights. They have very low crime. They have a population that, that respects and understands how important having a gun is for your nation's protection. And Switzerland is starting to give that up. And that concerns me. And it concerns me for America. So keep an eye on that. If you guys have any articles or news items that you think we need to point out, um, I, w I would like us to start covering more of this stuff, uh, especially Massey and I. And, you know, we can get Massey's uh, input on all of this and his commentary. But keep an eye out. The news is really telling us what's going on in the world, and I know a lot of times we want politics out. Look, yes, you look at all these companies and stuff that put politics into everything. Yeah. What happens to them? They like, you know, they, they drop out. Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, look at well, unless they put like a like a rainbow on their like photo. <laughs> None, but I saw Even this meme where they were like, it was like a. So why do you decide to support the pride? And then it was a picture of like uh, I don't know something from SpongeBob. Yeah. It was like money. Like yep, exactly. <laughs> Honestly, and that's yeah. that's people are coming out against these companies and saying, yeah. you're only." I don't in know if that was on topic. Money. No, no, it is. I mean, and that that really points out. Look, politics are are seeping into everything. So I understand. Look, you want to get away from it. You want to just be able to watch your football game or watch your movie Honestly. without being slammed with politics. I want you to have that because I want that. I don't want to go to my movies and be slammed with social justice, progressive, political agenda. Honestly, yeah. Right? I'm, I'm tired of it. And I know you guys are tired of it. But at the same time, <coughs> at least keep up on the news and keep up on what's going on. Because the news does tell us one way or another, it may be, it may be morphed, it may be a little bit fake or lies here and there. But you get an idea of what's going on. And if we don't, 
then we're quiet and we're silent and we're ready to be oppressed. We're ready to have more and more laws put on us. We're ready to have more and more intrusion into our lives. There's stuff that I didn't cover today, but that's going on with Facebook and YouTube. Censorship, control, all of it. You know, I'm, I'm starting to sound like Alex Jones and I'm really not trying to, but we do have to be aware this is happening. You got to fight and be vigilant for freedom. Freedom doesn't just get given to you. It's not something that's just handed to you guys. It's something that we need to fight for. It's something that we need to stand up for. There will always be people who are willing to be oppressed, hoping that they'll be comfortable when it happens. You know, if there's a great, I, I got one great example for you, and then I'll, I'll sign off. One great example that you need to read. If you read it all, if you can read the English language, <laughs> read this book. <laughs> the Gulag Archipelago. Say it again for the people. Gulag Archipelago. Okay. By Solstein. This book was a compilation by Alexander Solstein mm. of the gulags of Soviet Russia. Now, you might argue that politically Russia was in a different position to end up in the gulags, and you, you've got a good point on that. But when you look at how people kept it going, it was always silence. Your neighbor gets arrested, you don't say anything because you don't want to cause trouble for yourself. And the problem was the government at that point, it, it got so out of hand that there were only arrest quotas. It was just make sure you've have, you have so many people arrested. And when you went into interrogation, all they were doing was torturing you until you admitted to the false charges they had against you. If you were lucky, you got sent to the gulags. If you weren't well, maybe you were luckier if you got shot. But both happened. And the problem was the neighbors would watch their neighbor get arrested and they wouldn't say anything. Somebody would be arrested in the middle of the street. Nobody would raise a fuss. People would start turning each other in, hoping that they could somehow get some credits with the government to where they wouldn't get arrested themselves. Millions upon millions upon millions of people died in this system because everybody kept silent. Nobody pushed forward. Nobody rebelled because they were all too afraid. Now, do I think that's going to happen in America? No. But it can. I think we are people who are ingrained with freedom, indoctrinated with liberty, which is a beautiful thing. If you have that foundation, you're more likely to see, I can't stand for this. But be wary and educate yourself in knowing this does go on. This does happen in other countries. You look at China with their social credit system. You get caught jaywalking, you might not be able to get on a plane. Really? If, if you have debts that you haven't paid, your kid might not be able to go to <laughs> school. This, this whole system is tied into everything. If you are impolite to somebody, your credit score could go down. And they have so many cameras and so much technology that they're, they're spying on every single facet of a person's life. Dude, this sounds like an episode of like Black Mirror. That's, that's exactly how it's been described, is wow. Black Mirror. 
Um, and I, I'm pretty sure Black Mirror did an episode to kind of yeah. talk about this. Yeah. You know, so check out that episode, guys, because this is really going on. This is this is documented in China. Hmm. You have people who they do something that's wrong in the the Communist Party's eyes. And these people are blacklisted. Their their pictures are showing up on Dang. big boards of this person was jaywalking and owes five thousand dollars to the government. Dang. It's a social uh, shame system. And we say, well, that's happening in China. What's Facebook and YouTube doing now? What's Google doing? Huh. Oh well, you you don't have hate speech, but you're right on the line of hate speech. Well, we're not going to ban you, but we're not going to allow your videos to show up in searches. Just because it's happening in the private sphere doesn't mean it's not going to happen from a governmental standpoint at some point. How connected are these companies to the government? Once again, I sound extremist, but guys, like this is actually going on in China and we need to be aware of it. We <coughs> need to be aware of this. So... Keep an eye out for that stuff. We will try to get more current events to you. Maybe we'll do current event shorts or something like that. We've got a lot going on, guys. And there, there's a lot of stuff to pay attention to. And once again, we gotta, we got to do something and stand firm on the ground and get involved in your local politics, get involved in your community groups. For if sure. You, if you don't want to do politics, go back to the article I read about the church. Be a part of your community. Start community groups. If you've got a passion for something you don't know what to do, go to your pastor. Your pastor will probably say, well, you start it. If he says that, good. But look at him and say, I need people to help me because I don't know what the heck I'm doing. You can do this. If you've got a passion about something, let's say you have a passion about the foster system, we have a church in our area who their whole goal is to take over the foster system in this area. And they're doing darn good at it. Get that passion, reach out, do something. Or support those who are. If you don't want to do it, you don't want to step up and start the program, volunteer. At least give some money to the program. At least share it on Facebook or share it on social media. You can do this, guys. Man, we I got so much hope for it because... There's so many people with talents and yeah. skills and passions and drives and, and resources to do this stuff. And in the name of God, Revive Church is going to change the Treasure Coast area. Yeah, absolutely. They're doing this stuff. They're reaching out. They're growing. Find a model and, and follow it, guys. So that being said, thank you so much for paying attention. Thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, supporting us. Remember, subscribe to where you can, whether it's YouTube, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, Facebook. Let us know you're out there. Share this with friends. Uh, give us feedback. Give us articles. Give us stuff you want us to talk about. Man, we love you guys so much. We're so thankful we have you. Jonathan, you got any closing comments? Oh, man, I don't know. Should we talk about the elephant in the room? What's the elephant in the room? <laughs> Just don't worry. About it. All right. All right. Don't worry about the elephant in the room. Don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. <coughs> and if you're on iTunes or Spotify and you have no clue what we're talking about, <laughs> check Perfect. out the YouTube. They don't need to know. It's okay. You don't need to know. Don't check out the YouTube. <laughs> don't look at it. Don't. 
don't 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 care about what we're talking about because there's nothing here. Anyways. <laughs> All right. We love you guys. Take care. Have a good night. <laughs>